Well, good morning, First Baptist Church. What a joy to see you here today. Let's sing and fill this place with the sounds of God's people praising Him. Are you washed in the blood? Sing this great hymn of our faith today. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white? seated. Welcome to First Baptist Church today. We are so delighted that you are here, and we're thankful that if you are our first-time visitor, we are really thankful that you're here today. If you will, take your bulletin. There's a perforated section on the back page. We want to get to know you a little bit better. Would you fill that out so that we can pray for you, and if you have any prayer needs, you can fill those out. We pray for those, those cards every Tuesday in staff meeting, and it is a meaningful time for us to do that. We're delighted that you're here, and if this is your first time with us, Welcome. We worship together with you today. If you are our guest at the end of our service, would you join our pastor out in the foyer? And he will give you a, a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. It is our free gift to you today for being a part of our service. And we're just so thankful that you're here. I know you've been seated too long. Amen. 
So let's stand together and sing at Calvary. Let's worship together.
sing of my Redeemer, tell about the grace I've known. Here on earth it goes forgiven, and one day a world is sing of my Redeemer because he is a Redeemer. Amen? And so today that gives us cause to praise the name of the Lord our God. Would you join us as we do that together in song this morning? Oh, praise the name. Let's sing together. Stand and let's worship. I cast my mind to
Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day and the many blessings of life. Father, we come to you today knowing that we don't deserve anything that you give us. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that you sent your son to die on that cross for our sins. Not a soul here can say that they're sinless. And Father, we just thank you for the ability to have your son as our Lord and Savior. Father, we lift up our pastor today. We just thank you for his dedication to your word, his love for you, and his love for this church. Father, we ask you to put a hedge of protection around him and his family. We ask you, Lord, to just keep the devil from his door. Father, at this time, we ask you to bless the gift and the giver as we take up our tithes and offerings. Father, you know what is best for this money, and we know, Lord, that you're going to take care of it. Father, be with us through the rest of this service. Be with our pastor as he brings us the words you've had to speak. Forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Oh, 
This morning, we are continuing our series, What It Takes to Be First, with a message entitled Involved in Ministry, but this is also our annual State of the Church address, and this is now my 10th State of the Church address. Our first one was in 2010, after I'd been here about a year and a half, and I'm amazed at what God has done in the last 10 years years. Waylon Bailey, pastor of First Baptist Church of Covington, says that it's amazing how little you can get done in a year, but amazing how much you can get done in 10. And he is right. Uh, One thing that comes with some longevity in a church is you begin to notice some things among leadership, lessons that remind you uh, to keep pressing on. Things like transitions happen, Uh, good people come and good people go. There are staff that's called and they serve and then they're called away. There's uh, members who come and then leave. Some do so because they move away. Some uh, do so, a very small handful do so because they get disgruntled about something. And then there are those who move away to the ultimate place of heaven and beat us to heaven. Another thing is challenges come. Financial strains, facility issues, uh, personality and preference issues among people. Challenges are a part of church life because people are a part of church life. And disappointments happen because people are not perfect. But thankfully, victories occur. A lot of them do. Budgets are actually sometimes met. Wasn't in 2018, but there's always this year. And even if not, the needs always are met. And building programs are successful. New members join just when you need them. People step up to lead new ministries that you never thought possible. Marriages happen. Uh, Parent-child dedications. True Love Waits campaigns. uh, First award ceremonies and graduate recognitions. Put a smile on everybody's face and sometimes a tear in our eye. We also know that lives changed. People are saved. Some answer the call to ministry. Relationships are restored. Forgiveness is granted. Many grow in their faith and people move from being casual to dedicated as a Christian. And there are seasons of visible growth and seasons of preparatory growth. Like I mentioned last week, like a tree bears fruit in Season. A church goes through seasons where there are times with visible fruit. You can see the fruit, which generally in church world is numbers. But then there are those seasons when the church is growing to prepare for a next step, to bear fruit in a new way. And when the visible fruit is not as easily seen, but the roots are going deeper and new branches are preparing to form. But more than anything, after some longevity and leadership at a church, you notice that through it all, God is always at work. God is always at work in the transitions, in the challenges, in the victories, in the changing of lives, even even in the seams of visible growth and invisible growth. God is always at work. I was reminded of that recently 
uh, our last Sunday of the year, December 30th, which is always our lowest attended Sunday of the year. It's why I took off last Sunday on that, <laughs> last year on that Sunday. Always our lowest year by far. We had a 297 in worship. We have 400 and something today. Some of you said, man, it looked like it did 10 years ago in the sanctuary. And it did. It was a reminder of that. But you got to make a little bit of adjustment. Because you have to take the attendance from the lowest attended Sunday and put it at the front of the school year, which is always our highest attended Sunday. And then it's like it was 10 years ago. It was a reminder of how far we've come. And we've done that because we've tried our very best to be focused on God and what he wants to do here. And so that is why the state of the church in 2019 is still good. 2018 was a year of new beginnings. We completed our renovation process and moved back into this room. In fact, it's been one year today that we moved back into the sanctuary. And it's been such a blessing to be back in this room, to have all of the things that, that God has allowed us to have in this facility as well as across our campus. And uh, several of our uh, things that we've seen happen this year. Uh, in 2018, we focused on developing new leaders in our student ministry and children's ministry. You're probably not aware that several of our students are now leading worship for our student ministry on Wednesday night. They've also, several of them have spoken and led Bible studies on Wednesday night. That's training up that next generation of leadership. In our children's ministry, we have several new adult leaders helping us expand that ministry as it grows. Uh, in fact, our children's choir was once first through sixth grade. We've had to divide that uh, with two different choirs because of the number of kids that they're ministering to on Wednesday nights. Uh, we also launched some new things in 2018. Our students revived the True Love Waits uh, emphasis, which is a promise to remain sexually pure uh, through until marriage. And um, they had a successful commitment ceremony last February. And last spring, we expanded our men's ministry by adding uh, our, true, uh, our man church, which is a monthly manly meal and manly message. And um, that's coming up very shortly. And we uh, be looking for some new exciting things in our men's ministry. We met actually Friday to talk about some new updates and additions to our men's ministry for the next year. And then in the fall, we added Leslie Moore Elementary as a second partner in education in addition to Pineville Elementary, our neighbors next door. In December, we expanded our reach even more beyond the walls of our church with our uh, medical encouragement ministry through which we deliver uh, donuts and a word of encouragement to our area ICUs and ERs. Our music ministry has seen uh, increase in participation. In fact, we've been in an interim uh, in music ministry for a year and a half, but we've actually uh, seen that ministry thrive. Uh, the choir is averaging about 40 each week, uh, and we're involving a wide range of people in various capacities. We renovated our website and finally got it uh, live after we moved into the sanctuary, and that has provided a beautiful front door for people. We know from experience and statistics that most people visit us first online before they ever visit us in person, and so it's important for that online presence to be good. We also expanded our media ministry uh, by bringing Danny Nation on as our minister of media and maintenance, moving him from very part-time to about three-quarter time. And since that time, we've started videoing the sermons, posting them on Facebook, uh, on our website, and on a new FBC YouTube channel. 
We've also started creating video spots for holidays and some other special emphasis. In fact, just to, to show you how those make emphasis, our New Year's Day post, which we recorded before New Year's, Danny had launch um, about 5 or 6 o'clock that morning on New Year's Day, we saw 2,700 views of that video that we put out there. The key to getting that kind of viewership is you. Uh, that had a bunch of likes. It also had 50 shares. The more shares we see, the more likes we see, the more comments we see, the more viewers we see. And so we're going to be doing more like that. So that's an easy way for you to be a part of sharing the message of Christ and getting the word about the church out as well on social media. 2019 proves to be another year of new beginnings as our children's ministry launches a special needs ministry. You've heard about that in the worship guide and in announcements. They're having a block party next Sunday to kind of launch that ministry off and then we'll grow from there. Looking forward to that. Uh, this year we will also fill our music and student minister staff positions which have been led by interims and we desperately need to get those positions filled and we'll also launch a new discipleship ministry. That's going to be my emphasis next Sunday. But um, essentially, what we're going to be asking you to do is to group. If you're a man, group with a couple of other men. If you're a lady, group with a couple other ladies into what we're calling D-groups. So this is a movement that's coming across the nation uh, to help churches and People go deeper to have accountability and to be able to uh, develop leaders. The initial time commitment is going to be 12 weeks. You can meet whenever, wherever. We're going to put some materials in your hands. There's kind of a curriculum plan that the whole uh, everybody who's going to be in a D group will be going through. And, and basically, you're going to work through a book together. You're going to talk about it. You're going to hold each other accountable. You're going to talk about what you're doing in your own quiet times a little bit. Memorize scripture together. And then... After about 18 months, you're going to multiply. You're each going to go out and get two other people. And so we'll see this multiplication come. I really believe that this will be a game changer for our church in terms of growth and in terms of spiritual maturity and depth as well as uh, becoming more evangelistic as we move forward. So stay tuned for next week. There will be more information in the message next week and then a training next Sunday afternoon. All of this is an effort to help us to be First, focused on God, involved in ministry, respected by peers, strengthened in faith, and transformed by Christ. Last week, I shared with you the first of those five goals of Be First, and I shared with you four checkpoints for that goal, that I practice the privilege of worship if I'm focused on God, that I read and memorize scripture regularly, that I pray because it matters, that I know and follow God's plan for my life. Those are kind of things to say. Am I being focused on God? Well, I'm doing these four things, so I'm making progress. Well, this week, we're going to focus on the second goal, which is involved in ministry, the I of be first. Involved in ministry. In just this last week, 339 people joined together for Sunday Bible study led by 70 volunteer teacher and department directors. Right now, at this very moment, 11 adults are taking care of our younger preschoolers in extended session. And 86 of you are involved in that ministry. And believe it or not, we actually need more because the goal is that you only have to work that once a quarter. But we need a lot of people to help that happen. On Monday, 40 or so people met for our first at first business leader luncheon. On Tuesday morning, our men met for our monthly men's breakfast cooked by our men and led in a devotional by one of our men. 
Later Tuesday morning, several people showed up at Hilltop Nursing Home to wish Miss Emily Needham a happy birthday. On Wednesday night, 25 adults led our preschool and children ministry. Several more led sessions for, young, for youth and adults. Throughout the week, several of our deacons made hospital visits and touched uh, points with homebound members. On Thursday, about 25 ladies met for our monthly Women on Mission meeting, and we hosted a regional uh, luncheon for the Louisiana Family Forum for some politicians and pastors. On Friday, I met with two of our leaders of our man church ministry to plan out spring meetings. And throughout this last week and all day yesterday, about 60 of you were serving in our upward sports ministry. And tonight, 10 adults will minister to our children and youth, and our deacons will set aside the Saints game for another year of training in ministry. And that's just this week. And I know there was a lot of other ministry took place because this is just what was on my calendar. Not to mention some other things that happened during the week. That's just one week and all of that is important. There's a verse in Romans chapter 12 that I find so motivational for ministry. In fact, it's the first verse I used when we launched Be First several years ago. And it's Romans 12, 11. In Romans 12, Paul is telling us what it means to give our lives to God. And in verse 11, he provides three quick statements about what it means to be involved in ministry. Now, the NIV, which I normally use, says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. But I want us to consider, look at how some other uh, translations handle this. The King James says, Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The contemporary English version says, Never give up. Eagerly follow the Holy Spirit and serve the Lord. But today I want us to use the English Standard Version, the ESV, because I like how that translation captures what Paul is saying. The ESV says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Notice that there are three imperative-like statements there. And so for just a moment, I want us to consider those three imperatives of being involved in ministry. The first is do not be slothful in zeal. Slothful is one of those words that captures what it means by how it sounds. Slothful, right? The word means lazy. Paul here says, don't be lazy in your zeal for the Lord. There's also an element of giving up in the word sloth. Like, why bother? I'm just going to sloth around here. Do not be slothful in zeal. Well, why bother? I'm just going to go with the flow really, really slow. Right? No! Have zeal for the Lord, Paul says. Zeal is our diligence to the things of God. It's our focus on the things of God. And that word also captures its meaning, right? Zeal, it's got some zing to it. It's got some power. It's got some punch. And for some reason, it's so easy to slip into a complacent and apathetic, indifferent, even lazy routine in our walk with God and, and service to Him. It is our nature. And I'm somewhat encouraged that it seems to have been human nature for 2,000 years because Paul felt like he needed to tell the people way back then about it. 
For some reason, we can be zealous about all kinds of things except the things of God. We're disciplined in all kinds of things except the things of God. We give our time to all kinds of things except the things of God. We give our money to all kinds of things except the things of God. When it comes to other things, we're active, we're engaged, we're energetic. But when it comes to the things of God, we're complacent, apathetic, lazy, slothful. So Paul says, do not be slothful. Get up, get with it, go. Don't be slothful in zeal, he says, but be fervent in spirit. Be fervent in spirit. The word translated fervent is a word that means hot. So we could say be on fire for God. And it's good to be on fire for God. But there's a problem because when most of us get on fire for God, we do what wood does. When it gets on fire, it burns up and then it burns out. Kids go to youth camp, they get all fired up, and then they burn out. Adults go to revival, they get all fired up, and then they get burned out. So, a little different word, a little different emphasis might be helpful. The word that's translated ferment can also mean to boil. To boil, like boiling water. And that gives a little bit better sense for fervent spirit. But it's, it's not just boiling for the sake of boiling. I mean, you put a pot on a stove and put some water in it and turn it up to boiling. And, and it'll boil until the water's all gone and the pot burns up. And that's absolutely useless. Unless you put some potatoes or some pasta or something in that water. But you can also harness the power of boiling water for some pretty amazing things for instance a steam engine is powered by that boiling water that is that is harnessed and that steam can power a locomotive down a track and so when paul says we need to be fervent in spirit that's what we're to be like like this supercharged engine that's running down the track Your inner spirit should be boiling hot for God. And the steam from that relationship should power you forward and power you out of slothfulness and into service. Do not be slothful. Don't lose your steam. Go full steam ahead. But it's important that you realize something. You can't boil your own water. There has to be a heat source applied. You become fervent in zeal only as a result of the indwelling spirit of God. And so the closer you are to God, the closer you are to the heat source. And the closer he can get you going and the steam start rising. And so your wheels start turning and you start going in service for the Lord. And that's the third thing he says that we're to do. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And the first two statements actually help us do the third. If you think about it, that third statement needs the first two in order to be effective. And the first two need the third in order to be directed. So service to the Lord becomes the track upon which your fully powered self can run. We must serve the Lord. But let's ask an important question. What does that look like? What does it mean to serve the Lord? What does it mean to be involved in ministry? Well, as we developed 
these first, this first goal in our checkpoints, we have four checkpoints for involved in ministry. They are, I practice biblical stewardship. I know and use my spiritual gifts. I serve in at least one ministry and I share the gospel with lost people. So I want to take a moment and consider each of these. I practice biblical stewardship. One of the first ways that you can get involved in ministry is by practicing biblical stewardship. That's taking care of what God has given you and then putting those resources to work for the kingdom of God. When we began our building campaign for Making Way several years ago, we wanted everyone from preschool all the way to senior adults to be involved. And so the children had these little cardboard church houses that they collected change in. And then when we had our special in-gathering day, the children brought their little banks to the church, and they were a part. They had direct buy-in. They were supporting that ministry. Now, there wasn't a box, little church box of change up there that could even have bought a pew or could have paid for any one part, maybe a light switch or something, but they were all a part of it. They were involved in ministry. They weren't on the steering committee. They weren't here making sure everything was good, but they were involved. Stewardship is one of the first steps in being involved in ministry. It is a fundamental for the Christian life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21 and in Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your treasure is going to show your heart. We encourage everyone to be priority, percentage, and progressive givers here. Priority means you give the first fruits to the Lord. Percentage means you follow God's standard in Scripture to give at least 10% of your gross income to the Lord. And then progressive is, as the Lord gives you more, you invest more in His kingdom. And so you give above and beyond. Priority, percentage, and progressive. If you haven't already, you'll be receiving your annual giving statement from the church. Probably this week, if you haven't already. Look at what you gave in 2018. It's pretty easy. Is that 10% of your gross income? And if not, why not? What needs to happen in your life? What needs to happen in your treasure to put your heart where it needs to be? You might say, well, I can't afford to tithe. Okay, I would say you can't afford not to tithe. So why don't you look at where else your expenses have been and where has God's money been redirected? Instead, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I practice biblical stewardship. It's very important. I know and use my spiritual gifts. Never forget that God has uniquely gifted every single one of us in some particular way in order that each of us can be a part of growing the church in God's kingdom. Every single member of the church has a responsibility to help this church grow, and we do that by using our spiritual gift. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. Paul teaches extensively on that in other places. He tells us that there are all kinds of gifts in the church. Some are used for teaching, some for hospitality, some for serving, some for prayer, some for givings, and, and on and on and on it goes. Not all of those gifts are upfront gifts that are in front of everybody. Some of them are behind-the-scenes gifts, but all of the gifts are important. 
Whether you consider your gift important or whether somebody else considers your gift important is irrelevant because God considers your gift important. He gave it to you. And so he wants you to use it. You and your gift are God's gift to this church. Now, if you say, oh, don't I know it? You got a problem there you need to take up with the Lord. But you are. You are a gift to the Lord. Every one of us is gifted in a unique way for a unique purpose in the church. If our church has any need, I've said this for 10 years, if our church has any need, one of two things is true. Either the person who has the gift is not using it or they're not here yet. But if God calls us to do something, the person with the gift is going to be here. They're either not using it right now or they're about to come. So we need to plug in. I've watched that truth play out time and time again for over 10 years here and five years at my previous church. Your gift is vitally important to this church, but sitting on a pew is not a spiritual gift. There is a ministry of attendance. It's important. So when somebody comes in, they say, wow, there's people here. That's important. But that is not a spiritual gift. You are to do something for the kingdom. So that's why the third checkpoint is I serve in at least one ministry. Earlier, I rattled off around 190 of you who served just this past week. And that's incredible. And many of you serve in multiple ministries. There was overlap among that. And that's 190 people, which is good. But there are 400 and something here today. So we all want to be involved in some ministry. We need you. Our church is only as strong as you. And different seasons of life put us in different kind of situations. We could be more involved in certain ways at certain times than we are at others. We get that. But one ministry, some place, that could be anything. That could be choir. It could be media. That could be ushering, teaching, cleaning, uh, repairing, men ministry, women's ministry, student ministry, children's ministry, whatever. But at least one, and then you'll probably like it so much you'll find another. We have ministries we could start right now that we're just merely lacking the leadership for. We have other ministries that are just kind of there. They're a little bit floundering because we need people to plug in to ministry in those. And we're probably waiting on you. And so we need you to plug in. Or, or what if, what if there's a ministry that we need to have that you've thought about, but we haven't thought about? It can be very important for the future of our church. Maybe it reaches a lot of people. Maybe it doesn't. But if it reaches new people or it ministers to people who aren't being ministered to or becomes an on-ramp for people to engage in Jesus Christ, it's important whether there's five people involved in it or 500. And you'd be serving and using your gifts. You've got to run with it. To encourage everyone to minister, we're going to begin another new a celebration opportunity this year. We're calling it LAP Night. Uh, LAP, L-A-P, stands for Leadership Appreciation and Preparation. Those of you who've been here for a while may remember we used to have what we called the LAP Banquet. It's something I started after being here a, a year or two, and we would have everybody who's involved in ministry in some way, which should be everybody in the church, for a banquet, and we would have a little night of, of celebration and thank you and things like that. We did away with that a couple of years ago, mainly because of budget issues and, and a lot of you said you know we don't really need the little dinky gift you give us we know we're appreciated and that was great and all but we realized we need something more often 
And so we're going to start what's called lap night, which is a, not a banquet, but a worship night, where we come together every other month to celebrate what God has done in the previous months, to look ahead to what God's going to do in the future months, and encourage one another. And we'll be having, hopefully, testimonies of what God's been doing in our church, maybe some from people who've been touched by our church. I'll share a little lesson of teaching on leadership and moving forward. But it's going to be for everybody who's involved in ministry in any way to keep us all on the same page. It's going to be an exciting time. The first one is actually later this month on January 27th in conjunction with our chili cook-off. We thought that'd be a fun way to kick it off. So I hope that you'll plan to be here on January 27th that Sunday night. The, the fourth checkpoint of involved in ministry is I share the gospel with lost people. If we were to have a show of hands of how many people shared their faith intentionally with someone this week, I'm afraid we would only have a few hands go up. And I don't mean I shared something on social media or something. I mean really talking about your faith. And we need more real encounters for that because if we did, we would see more impact. If, if four or 500 people go out from this place each week and touch people's lives, then there should be some Jesus being shared and there should be some return on that. We should see more baptisms, for instance, happen in our church. Sharing our faith should be as natural to us as talking about our kids and grandkids, about football, about hunting, about fishing, or whatever else we're passionate about. So a good checkpoint for am I being first, am I involved in ministry is, am I sharing the gospel with lost people? One of the things that's incorporated into the first cycle of our D groups is going to be learning the scriptures to share your faith, preparing your testimony, and then holding one another accountable to get out there and share your faith. In the last 10 years, God has done a ton of stuff in our church. But I believe he still wants to do more. On Thursday, I visited with Miss Jean Lively, one of our longtime church members who's now at Brookdale Assisted Living. And Miss Jean was here every Sunday pretty much when I first came and was active and serving. And I called her the lively one because she was always kind of busy. Well, she's not so lively anymore. Um, but we were able to visit the other day. And as, she, as we talked, she wanted to know what's new at the church. What's coming up? And after hearing some things that I talked about, she said, Well, you've never been accused of letting grass grow under your feet. And, you know, she said she'd just been talking to someone about how we're still developing new ministries, still coming up with new ideas. And I said, That's because we have to. We have to. We can't be content. We can't get slothful. We can't be lacking in zeal. We have to be zealous. We have to be fervent. We have to serve the Lord. Because there are enough people in central Louisiana to fill every single church multiple times over. So who's going to reach them? Who's going to reach them? I'd kind of like for us to get a bunch of them. And see their lives changed. They'd like to see this room completely filled at least twice on Sundays. It's doable. How many of you believe that's doable? It's doable. But it takes all of us working together. And all of us reaching out and touching people's lives. Get involved in ministry. And see what God will do through you. To impact his kingdom. Be first. Be focused on God.
involved in ministry, respected by peers, strengthened in faith, and transformed by Christ. May we pray together. Lord, we are grateful for the many things that you have done and are doing in our church, and we look forward to all that's to come in the years ahead. God, I thank you for your blessing that's been upon us, steady and guiding and providing. And we can see time and time again where you've just worked. And I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to do it. Lord, I pray a continued hedge of protection around our church that the enemy would not have a foothold. Lord, we have said before that for 40 years, the devil messed with this church. And we ask the question, why? Well, he's not going to mess with something that he's not threatened by. And so, Lord, we pray for a hedge of protection. We pray for a mighty power of God. We pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that this campus would be so full of the Holy Spirit of God that people would notice it and that there would be no room for the devil to even get a pinky hold. We demolish all strongholds. We ask, God, that you would do exceedingly beyond what we could ask or imagine. We pray that you'd invigorate us with faith, that you'd invigorate us with power, that you'd invigorate us with vision, and you would help us to see to a new day as you did 10 years ago when there were way less than half as many people, not near as much money, and a lot of blue hair. But God, you answered prayers. You provided. And we're where we are today. We pray, God, that you'll see us through to the new days of ministry beyond. But it comes, Lord, through us surrendering everything to you. And so we do that now, Lord. We surrender ourselves. We surrender our preferences. We surrender our pride. We surrender our desires. We surrender completely. And we ask, Lord, for you to move and have your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.